Hey gang, Sophia here with a quick announcement before your regularly scheduled episode. We are still in the midst of a patron drive here in Movie Struck. Uh, we blew past our first stretch goal of cats, and we are single-digit patrons away from hitting the Morbius stretch goal. So if you haven't already uh, checked out the Movie Struck Patreon and all the different benefits that come with that, and you're like, hey, I really want to make Sophia be legally contractually obligated to watch Morbius, now is a great time to go check that out in the show notes below. I really want to thank everyone who's who's joined us so far over there. It's been really amazing to see just how many folks uh, <laughs> are enjoying the show and uh, want to support it and help make everything possible. So uh, before you jump into your regular scheduled episode, check out the links in the show notes below. And uh, thank you to everyone who's supported us so far. And uh, I'll let you jump right on into that episode there that's hanging around. Um, who knows? Maybe next time you hear me from me. I will have seen Morbius. And Solo swims himself over to the side where there's a truck <laughs> and he sits down in the truck and in the moment of like, oh yes, this man is very suave, uh, he takes his time to tune the radio to the appropriate music. Uh, he enjoys a nice bottle of Chianti that was laid next to him and some poor guy's sandwich and, and just the, sort of watches Ilya, Ilya do is just like <laughs> zooming back and forth avoiding cars. It's so good. Uh-huh. At one point in the background, Ilya's boat uh, explodes and begins to sink, which is when Solo, not turning off the radio, but just putting the sandwich down, uh, drives. Hello and welcome to Movie Struck, a podcast about movies and the people who watch them. I'm your host, Sophia Ricciardi, and I'm joined today by my roommate and also former guest on the podcast, Tess Rosenthal. Tess, welcome back to the show. Hello, hello. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> Our cat was making um, problems moments ago, so we're just recovering from that. But uh, Tess, before we jump in, I have to ask you the question I ask everyone at the top of the show, and that is, why did we watch The Man from U.N.C.L.E.? Ooh, it's one of my favorites um, because uh, we have been friends for a while. Uh, you know that we both <laughs> share a deep love of the spy thriller. Um, and this one just ticks a lot of boxes for me. It looks great. Everyone in it looks great. Uh, it's well-paced, fun action, gorgeous movie, very stylish, mm -hmm. uh, banging score so by good. Um, my boy Daniel Pemberton. Easily top three scores. Oh my god. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if this is this is like you can tell it's a theme. I basically my favorite movies all have like also have my favorite scores. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that's just how I am. But Excellent. I as a background in music, so it's just like it's always what sticks out to me. This is good. This movie has great like walking around music. Like if you're you know go hustling down a city street, you want to pop a score in the background. Look at the man from Uncle because there's not. Oh better. my god. I listen um, to the album constantly, like constantly. <laughs> really good needle drops, too. Great needle drops. And uh, we kind of open up on one with like a very groovy opening track yes. as the titles kind of bring us up to speed about the time period we're in. Uh, you know, the, the Iron Curtain, general Cold War tensions, East and West Berlin. That's right, baby. It's a Cold War era spy thriller. <laughs> we love a period piece. Uh, <laughs> And we transition from some very cool graphics into Berlin at the checkpoint between east and west, uh, the east and west parts of the city as Henry Cavill, who will later <laughs> learn as a name that always makes me giggle when it comes up in the movie, uh, <laughs> approaches the uh, checkpoint. <laughs> 
as the guard on the checkpoint goes through his luggage, he uses the reflection to clock that army hammer is in the background of the scene uh, and his little paperboy cap. <laughs> so he makes his way across the background. Um, Henry passes through the border and approaches a woman working in a mechanic's shop and starts talking to her about the car she's fixing up and she immediately clocks him as an American. Uh, <laughs> Alicia Vikander, by the way. Yes. Love Great. her. Those three are like our main cast of this movie and they're all fantastic in it. Um, oh, they're all so pretty. <laughs> you get a lot of it in this first scene here, uh, particularly for Henry Cavill, of just like how um, how charismatic of an actor he is. And I feel like I kind oh of forget God. that sometimes because he plays a lot of rather stoic characters, but he's allowed to be very yeah. um, off the cuff and kind of silly in this movie. Uh, he has pretty good comedic timing. So good. <laughs> like it's really good. <laughs> Like, a big part of it is that the writing of this movie is very well done, very snappy. There's some clever yeah. dialogue, but, but his also delivery his, adds a lot to sell his the 1960s New York American yes. accent is, like, the best part of the movie. Just incredible. It's so good. Uh, but I just start... I love that 1960s thing. It's amazing. Yeah. 1960s-ish era spy movies, or, like, 60s, 70s oh. are... It's a, it's a category that has, like, this movie in it and then also some of the Austin Powers movies, and I think it's, like, a perfect subcategory of <laughs> spy thriller, um, yes. spy comedy. It just works on every level. Um, it's so good. But we get a lot of that uh, great charisma coming at you as he starts riffing with her about uh, what he's there to do. He's uh, looking for her father, Dr. Udo Teller, uh, as he describes Hitler's favorite rocket scientist. He was one of the scientists who went to work in the U.S. on the nuclear program after the war ended, but he disappeared two years ago, and um, now they're looking for him again for reasons we'll learn in just a moment. As Henry's sort of explaining this, he finds uh, a little cufflink-looking gizmo in his luggage and he flashes back to the checkpoint where it was slipped in by an attendant it's a bug it's probably a listening device of some kind uh and he continues on his little spiel he shows her a photo of her father in rome from a week ago and he asks uh and she's like well you're showing me all this info but i don't know why you think i would know where my dad is that'd be crazy uh, <laughs> and henry uh, <laughs> Solo, as we'll learn his name is, explains <laughs> that she doesn't know where her dad is, but she does know where her Uncle Rudy might be, uh, and that Uncle Rudy probably knows where her dad is. So the connection here is Gabby, the mechanic girl, to Uncle Rudy, to her father. That's kind of the only chain of connections that we'll really need to know for most of the rest of the movie. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. it's you know it's not that complicated which i love like it's just enough mm-hmm. where it's interesting um but it's just like I, I don't even care i just i just love watching them do stuff yeah i feel <laughs> like this great. movie throws kind of both a lot and a little at you all at once yeah. in the beginning where it's like here's it all the key players and details you need to know but then those players and details don't change a ton over the runtime even you through a lot s- of the set pieces which is but not necessarily also, knock, but yeah but you also will suffer if you don't pay attention to the plot. You'll be like, and we'll be an act two, and you'll be like, wait, why are they doing this? Why are they going to this party? Like, what's going on? Because you do, so you do have to like pay attention is what's going on uh, to really like understand um, and get like the full. You you have to pay attention to kind of get the full like effect um, of the because the um, action sequences are very stylish. But if you don't understand mm-hmm. the context, they're just kind of just you know there. Um, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think they do a good job of balancing, giving you information, but then also not changing 
the plot too frequently. Um, there's like one or two big twists and they're supported by if you watch closely like a second viewing, you would catch more of the lead up points mm-hmm. to it, which is always the mark of a good um, mystery or spy thriller. You know, you want that second viewing to give you those little oh, I caught it this time moments. Uh, but if you're watching it for the first time through, you're also not going to lose the plot, which is a hard balance to strike, particularly when you're also contending with we have to make sure that the audience is constantly aware that we're in Cold War era Europe. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Solo, ever the suave man, as he continues to explain to Gabby uh, that he knows her father wasn't actually a Nazi and he's just forced to work with them, uh, drops the definitely a bug cufflink looking device into a cup of coffee to silence it and asks her to come with him to a hotel in West Berlin uh, unless she would rather stay in the mechanic shop and spend the night with the Russians who have been tailing them as he glances through the shop window to show that they're out there on the street and we see that iconic paperboy cap popping back up. I love Love this wardrobe choice for, <laughs> for Army Hammer's uh, Russian character. I think it's a strong touch point that quickly makes I, him stand out. I love it. <laughs> it was on all the posters. <laughs> it's, it's just good. It's just there's good. no backstory to it. It's just a good hat, and I think that we need more of those in modern. I think cinema. it's era appropriate. I think yeah. it's somewhat era appropriate. Yeah. I agree. Um, you know, trying to take be a low profile, even though he's like a seven foot <laughs> hulky man. <Exactly>. Just <laughs> he, he dwarfs everyone in this movie except for <laughs> he's strangely because Elizabeth Debicki is like apparently she's like six foot five or something. Like she's very mm. tall. Like if you put her, if you see when in some shots when she's next to Henry Cavill, they definitely have him on a box or something in some shots, but. She's, like, way taller than him. It's very funny. And <laughs> I think the only reason they didn't... I mean, he and she and Armie Hammer are never, like, in any scenes together. So I don't know if, how, like, you would compare the two. That's a good but... point. And every time they are in scenes together, she's, like, standing on a table or something. So it's impossible yeah. to gauge, like, which one of them is actually taller. Yeah. Um, but Henry Cavill grabs a newspaper and they take her car and sneak their ways out. Uh, And she drives off as Henry lies in the back seat, uh, hiding, scooching down like a kid trying to sneak into a parking lot when you've overfilled your car uh, as the Russians tail behind them. And he's chasing out a little path in the map in the newspaper thing he picked up off the desk. Uh, The Russian pulls up next to them in their own car. And after a moment of stillness, uh, Solo fires on... (laughs) the russian and they begin uh, the first of many cool car chases in this movie it's a very stylish action sequence in which so uh, solo is giving directions based on the route that he was outlining just a moment ago to gabby who's driving as uh, the russian continues to tail them she has there's a one... <laughs> yeah please. there's one great shot of when uh i don't know how they did this is when they uh it's a profile of the car and then they zoom out so you can see both cars and they zoom right back in. It looks so good. I don't know how they did it. It looks awesome. <laughs> they do a lot of real like, like this movie has a style to it that feels incredibly seamless when you're watching it, but is yeah, so so pleasing. Distinct and pleasing and very uh reminiscent of like some classic James Bond cinematography or lots of other yeah. like similar spy thrillers. Yeah. Uh, they yeah. just pull it off so well. It's very deliberate. It's so mm-hmm. pleasing to the eye. Like, it's yeah. it's just, like, yeah, it's awesome. I love it. Yeah, and I think in a lot of these earlier sequences especially, they do a pretty good job of not falling into the trap of cutting too much where you kind of lose track of the action. I think they do a very nice pacing of their edit on yeah. not just, like, cool shots, but also using those cool shots and the way they're cutting it to keep the action flowing pretty well, which can be hard, yeah. especially in, like, a car chase scene where maybe you don't necessarily have all of uh, all of East or West Berlin to actually shoot in anymore so you gotta like do some fun tricks um yeah well i mean there's some really cool stunt driving in this too like Mm -hmm. in the in the sequence oh yeah 
Speaking of cool stunt driving, there's a slick move that Gabby has where she whips the car around in a turn into a parking spot in a narrow street and they pretend to be a parked car, both of them ducking down so that uh, Army Hammer and his, his wheels will roll on by. Uh, it seems like all is quiet for a moment, so, um, but Henry won't be fooled by this and he gets out and pulls off a sneaky little maneuver to lure the Russian into following uh, Gabby while Henry shoots his tires out from the street. It sounds like he's taken him out. Uh, but then we go to our, the Russian's inner monologue. We This is where we learn that Henry Cavill is playing Napoleon Solo, a very silly name, uh, and that he's not I your daddy's so American much. spy. <laughs> I love it's it great. so much. <laughs> and then uh, and then Alicia Vikander's just like, Gabby Teller. That's all. Just that's all. Gabby Teller. Gabby Teller. <laughs> and uh, Ilya, last name that I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, <laughs> On IMDb, something they just credit him as sounding. Ilya, so that's all we're going to go with. It's like Kura something. Uh, Kura something, yeah. But he flashes back to his brief for this mission where he learned about Solo, uh, who has been stealing high-end antiques and selling them on the black market for years after uh, kind of leaving the U.S. Army. Uh, and he's a criminal wanted by several European countries. And when he was eventually caught, he struck a deal with the CIA and is now their most prolific agent. Uh Ilya is to kill him if necessary, but above all else, he can't let the girl escape. Gotta get that girl. Um, on that mission statement, the chase begins in earnest again, and with the Russian blowing out one of uh, Gabby and uh, Solo's tires and catching up uh, by... <laughs> he runs up to the car, grabs the trunk, <laughs> grabs and is the end holding it. it. Trying He's to slow trying it to down, literally with his heels, force it to stop. Which Solo just watches through the back window. <laughs> he watches him like. <laughs> and Gabby has a moment where she says, "Why don't you just shoot him?" Sh- and Solo, in the first moment that will foreshadow <laughs> how much uh, mutual right. respect they have, is like, "That wouldn't just seem right." Doesn't seem like the right thing to do. I love the way He's Henry struggling Cavill so hard. Look at him. Look line. at him go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's so good. On that beat, the drunk trunk drawer uh, bakes. On that beat, the trunk door <laughs> breaks off the car, uh, and we go back into the chase. Gabby is worried that the roads are going down. And then he throws it at the car. He throws he it at the car. takes the trunk door and throws it at the car. There's like a lot the of very good character setup in this moment of like, yeah, yeah, Solo's like suave and always kind of in control and crafty. But also, Ilya's a fucking tank. He's a tank. <laughs> Gabby is worried oh that the God. road they're on isn't going anywhere, but Solo's like, it's all part of the genius plan, don't worry about it. And when they inevitably get stuck in between a very narrow street, he instructs her to take a left through the car window and into the building that they're right next to. The Russian, meanwhile, gets stopped by German police descending on the scene and decides to just fight his way out of this to continue the chase. Uh, so with him tight on their heels, the duo make it to the roof of the building, uh, and Solo gives the signal to an agent waiting on the other side, Agent Jones, who fires a zip line uh, over the... Uh, div- divider between east and west berlin and solo and the and gabby zip line to safety with Ilya right on their heels and immediately after landing they give the line some slack so that he is slowly lowered into the minefield and left stranded in the space between the two halves of the city uh they've made their escape from their russian pursuer for now back in west berlin solo and gabby chat in what is not a hotel as she points out but just a regular apartment and solo makes her some very fancy risotto because uh henry cavill is the total package in this movie and that's just his character i guess <laughs> it just act. it's <laughs> just yeah. yeah um agent jones summons solo to meet with the head of the cia that commands him uh who is sitting in the front room and is filling him in on all the chaos that's ensued 
Solo tries to give him a mission brief on what happened. He's like, ah, the uncle's still the best shot. I got the girl. My work here is done. But the CIA agent is not happy with that and insists that there is more to do. After all, uh, Solo lit up half of East Berlin and... (laughs) Even though he was followed by a man who tore off the trunk of his car, uh, he's still uh, owed at least five more years of service to the CIA. By the way, two British actors doing, like, 60s American accents at each other. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's Um, a lot of that in this movie of, like, actors trading accents. uh, Because even the American actors are... Americans are played by... Yeah, you know, European actors. You're right. Because <laughs> obviously, Army Hammer's American. He's doing a Russian accent the whole mm-hmm. time. Um, uh, Alicia Vikander's doing a, like a German accent the whole time. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> it's a little, it's a little, it's vaguely German. <laughs> but yeah, I love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, the next day, the CIA and Solo go for a little walk in the park and talk business, ducking inside a public restroom, and uh, <laughs> makes the first of what I can assume is many uh, very sexually charged conversations, full of lots of innuendo. <laughs> uh, and when so walking good. up, <laughs> walking up next to Solo into frame, <gasps> it's Ilya. It's the Russian. The two immediately start to wrestle, doing some serious property damage until the Russian gets Solo in a chokehold. Uh, but his handler appears and calls him off. The CIA and the KGB are here meeting mutually, and it's revealed that the two of them are partners now for this particular mission. The quartet sit down at lunch together, and the CIA and KGB explain that Dr. Teller was on the verge of a breakthrough involving enriched uranium, making it possible for almost anyone to build a nuclear device. They believe that the... uh, Vinciguerra. 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 It's an Italian name. I know I should be better at this, but don't at me. I don't know. Vinci or, Guerra. I mean, uh, um, he says Vinci Guerra in like, yeah, he says Vinci yeah. Guerra, but in the 60s <laughs> New York accent, so I can't quite. Yeah, Vinci Guerra, a uh, shipping and aerospace company in Rome, uh, where Uncle Rudy is an executive, is the cover for an international criminal organization with ties to former Nazis. So these are our bad guys for the movie. Their founder, Sergio, was a friend of Mussolini, a known fascist, and now the company is run by his son, Alexander, and his wife, Victoria. The son's sort of just like a playboy nobody, but Victoria's the one really pulling the strings now that the old man is dead. Uh, And they believe that this couple is responsible for Dr. Teller's disappearance, and because of the possible consequences should he build an atom bomb for them, the KGB and CIA are working together on this mission in order to find him and his research and stop them. So... Solo and Ilya's mission is to infiltrate this organization, retrieve Dr. Teller and his research, which will be located on a computer disc. Uh, and anyone who has that computer disc will be the most powerful person in the world. <laughs> it's literally what they say. Like, That's literally what they say. It is not uh-huh. the <laughs> Behold, the MacGuffin. <laughs> yes. Um, By the way, not a, not a Cold War spy movie without some nuclear bombs, am I right? Oh, of course. You got to get that in there somewhere. Um, Solo is also specifically tasked with investigating the couple, uh, while the Russian, uh, Ilya, will focus on Miss Teller, Gabby, uh, and her uncle, Rudy. So the two bosses leave, letting these two stay around to get acquainted, and as they exit, so does everyone else who was sitting at the restaurant, because they were all plants, which I think was a very funny detail on their <laughs> it was, part. It was good. Cutting back to the wide they, on that They get up, funny. and everyone in the, every everyone single in extra the gets up, too. Yes. It's great. <laughs> Um, they sit in silence for a moment before Ilya starts talking, asking what motivated uh, Solo to become the CIA's most effective agent, and concludes it must be because he, you know, he's a, he's a long leash held by a short man. It must be very humiliating for him. Basically, just jabbing at his pride. Uh, but Solo fires right back, 
tell, saying that he also read up on Ilya before their meeting today. Uh, and he knows that his dad was a big official under Stalin until he was caught embezzling and sent to the Gulag. And Solo's psychoanalysis really starts to piss off Ilya, who will begin one of uh, Ilya's rage sequences, which will happen a few times <laughs> in this movie, where everything else starts to go kind of quiet and like get kind of reverberating and fuzzy. It's a really uh, good, really good uh, like motif. Yeah, and his hand shakes a little bit. Um, but particularly what sets him off is Solo moving on to talking about his mother's reputation, because if there's one thing you should never do, it's insult a KGB agent's mother. Uh, he flips the table and walks off, and a great partnership begins. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's very uh. typical. It's like the two the two spies from opposite sides of the war meet up, and they're just trying to needle each other and fill each other yeah. out. Like, that's kind of the whole point. Exactly. That's the natural reaction, especially for Solo, who's like a thief by nature and like also, Mm -hmm. but like, he just like, he just, it's just kind of his job. It's just what he's good at. Without, you know, their bosses saying you have to work together, they would both be giving that I only work alone speech to each other at this point. Oh, yes. You know, in any other movie. So it's hard if they're both Lancers. Uh, Gabby, now getting dressed up fancy, gets briefed by Solo when they reconnect with her. Um, she's mostly concerned with not getting sent back over to East Berlin at this point. Uh, and as part of the ruse for the trio, uh, Ilya and Gabby are going to be posing as fiancés. Um, Gabby's not a huge plan- fan of this plan and storms on out of the shop. Uh, as Solo follows to explain the plot in more detail... He's like, hey, it's our cover story. Ilya's pretending to be an architect designing a resort for heroes of the Soviet Union by the Black Sea and is being sent to Rome to study classical style. And he's secured a visa for his fiance. So naturally, you know, once you guys are there, his fiance will introduce him to her beloved Uncle Rudy. So that's how that's all going to play out. Are we and skipping so, over the whole conversation of the belt oh, the matching the belt with the dress? Oh, no, no, no. Do not worry. We're getting to my favorite scene of the movie. Uh before we get there, Solo is going to be posing as Jack Devaney, an antiques dealer specializing in Greek and Roman sculpture. And the Venetiagaric family just happens to have been, happens to have one of the finest collections in the world. Um, Gabby's like, "You're asking too much of uh, too much of me," but she agrees to the plan, and they re-enter the shop to a selection of dresses and accessories selected by Ilya that look more like what someone from behind the Iron Curtain would wear on the other side. Uh, showing a very clever awareness of style and mentality on Ilya's part. Uh, and then in what a scene that I genuinely wished went on forever, <laughs> Solo know. and Ilya squabble back and forth about <laughs> brands and belts and matching fashion. Uh, <laughs> it's so good. I can't, I don't it's remember, so I can, between their accents and how quickly they're talking, I couldn't even figure out recognize any of the brands they were talking they're about throwing, they're like oh so gucci balenciaga you know they're just like throwing out brand names and picking up objects me like well you can't wear this with this or this clashes with this but it's about well, she's not wearing this it's she's wearing about, this it's a it's I, amazing it's the only part of the movie where i was sitting there like i kind of wish they gave me about 10 more minutes of this <laughs> i could have watched this all day <laughs> all day it's so good um, but unfortunately, we do not have all day to watch it as uh, Miss Keller re-enters the scene in a little mod number that just screams Sophia's Halloween costume this year. And uh, Solo takes his leave as they all split up to head to Rome in their respective and Elisa identities. Elisa Vikander is so short and everything mm-hmm. she wears makes her look like a midget. Like she literally looks so small. Like, and she's already very small. So it's just like she's wearing these like formless, like A-line dresses mm-hmm. that make her look 
somehow it's all even very smaller. Mod, but it's though, very stylish. And very like sixties, yes. and I, I like it a lot. She gets a lot of like the big circle earrings yeah. of like the enamel. Yeah. I was like, oh. It's Girl. very sty- very sixties, very stylish, mm-hmm. but it's just like a lot of orange. It's hilarious how small she looks, and the fact that she's got to stand next to Army Hammer the whole time because he's <laughs> huge is so funny. <laughs> uh, before Ilya and uh, Gabby head off, he gives her her engagement ring as they begin to prep to go to Rome. Uh, I love the title cards and music we get when we transition to this location. It's so groovy mm-hmm. and slick, and like the font is just like the perfect choice. I love and, it. Oh, oh. <laughs> you know, um, so pleasing. Solo checks into his hotel, and as he does, he spots some suspicious characters as he walk in who get up to go follow Gabby and Ilya as they exit the hotel. So he arranges for his bag to be taken up to his room and goes in pursuit. Gabby and Ilya, meanwhile, are off seeing the sights. She has. Uh, Gabby kind of sees through all of Ilya's bullshit, for lack of a better word, as he's like, yes, I did all of my homework about these steps that we're on right now. And she asks him about their history, poking holes in his story as he tells her how they were built by Russians, uh, which is about when Solo rolls up and is like, hey, you're being followed, by the way. Uh, and they're probably waiting up ahead for you to test if Ilya is really an architect or not. It's the best delivery. He just rolls up in this vest, and he's like, you're being followed. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? great yeah and basically what they're setting up is up ahead the guys who are following them are going to be waiting to mug them to test if Ilya is really just an architect or a kgb agent trying to fight Uh, and both gabby and solar are like hey you can't fight them you gotta just let yourself get mugged so that we can keep our cover um as if on cue when they round the corner into some spookily placed ruins they get mugged uh taking his wallet her engagement ring and his watch, which begins the Ilya is very frustrated sequence. Um, he reflexively jabs out at one of the guys taunting him, but Gabby calms him down and they run off as Solo reappears from around the corner. Ilya is extremely unhappy that not only did he get mugged and they took his bride, but they stole his father's watch. Uh, he wanted to fight and they squabble until Gabby is like, get it together or I'm leaving uh, because she's the only one who keeps the two of them from being at each other's throats <laughs> constantly in this movie. <laughs> yeah, she's got to play mom. It's very funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Back in his hotel, Solo receives some champagne on compliments of the hotel and asks the woman who checked him in earlier if she'd like to drink it together, and they do fade to black. Uh, Gabby, meanwhile, <laughs> calls her uncle and informs Ilya that there is a 50th anniversary party for the Vincent Guerra fa- shipping company, and her uncle invited them to attend. She offers him a drink, but he doesn't take it, so she just drinks alone instead. Uh, and sh- while he plays chess, she dances in the background. Uh, it's a great <laughs> very, scene. Very great, great scene. Sequence. She asks him to dance. He says no, but eventually she grabs his hand and they kind of dance a bit, but she keeps doing the why you hitting yourself uh, with his hands. <laughs> then they start wrestling, which is not a euphemism. And it looks like no, they're they going to literally kiss. just start wrestling. <laughs> literally just start wrestling. On the floor. Mm-hmm. A it maid walks a by and just hears all these crashing, <laughs> crashing behind the door. And she yeah. looks very concerned and just like runs away. <laughs> Dips on out of there. Um, yeah, she's like, well, these rich people. <laughs> yes. And this is their version of flirting. So there's like a moment where it looks like they're going to kiss. But no, uh, Gabby just passes out and he puts her to bed. What a gentleman. <laughs> um, she the next morning. She a bottle of vodka in half an hour. So <laughs> can we blame her? <laughs> no, no, no. I cannot. The next morning, Solo's hotel attendant leaves uh, from his respective fade to black. And he disassembles the alarm clock, finding another hidden bug inside, just like the one he found in his suitcase earlier in the, in the film in, in Berlin. 
He checks the rest of his room for bugs, finds a few, to say the least, and goes down to their room to return them to the the Russian, who, in turn, returns all of the American bugs that he's found in their room. (laughs) They're really, they're really, like, they have different specialities, but these guys are, they're peers in every sense of the word. You know, you get the idea that they're pretty dang evenly matched. Does not mean they they trust each other. (laughs) Mm -mm. The gang all head off to the party. Gabby a little bit hungover, uh, and Ilya gives her a new engagement ring, as the ploy must continue after uh, after all. Um, this one has a gem in the middle of it that looks suspiciously like <laughs> bugs that we've <laughs> like seen up Russian to this point bug. in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's pretty obvious on a rewatch. You like you see the yeah. ring and you're like, oh yeah, there's the, the bugs oh, in yeah, there. I forgot about that. <laughs> Um, at the party, which is on a racetrack with some, like, Formula One going on, uh, Solo rolls up, rolling through a kitchen uh, that of irritated staff after bumping into a man outside and stealing his ticket. Uh, he enters the party where he spots Victoria, the conniving wife, and begins to mingle before one of the staff comes up and asks for his invitation. As he's sort of arguing and is about to be escorted out, he tries to be suave for a second, but instead gets punched for his troubles, and this commotion attracts Victoria's attention, as Solo now whips out his invitation to fan himself, and she offers her apologies. Elizabeth, why does everyone look so fucking stunning in this movie? Elizabeth Debicki is, like, a goddess in this movie. Like, (laughs) she comes out, she's, first of all, you first see her, she's, like, haloed in light behind the curtain, and then she comes out and she's just like, hello, I have arrived. I'm here. (laughs) Speaking of arriving, Ilya and Gabby also arrive at the party, greeted by her uncle. Uh, (laughs) We're going to sort of cross-cut for a lot of this party between our couple and Solo and Victoria. Uh, In this case, Victoria is greeting a woman who has been on a diet of only caviar and champagne for some three weeks now. And I think I learned in that moment, like, who I want to be someday. (laughs) (laughs) Just the way she delivers this line. She's like, you look great. She's like, yeah, I've been on a diet, only caviar and champagne. That's it. (laughs) And she's a very like pointed lady. look to camera. <laughs> yes. I love it's it. It's great. Uh, Solar st- starts smooching as he greets her and definitely uh, steals her bracelet. Um, meanwhile, Gabby's uncle asks about how the happy couple met, and Ilya tells a fictional story about meeting when he was working on the wall in Berlin. And her uncle seems rather skeptical that he is so muscular and yet is an architect of all things. <laughs> and very flatly, uh, I have to give Army Hammer credit for this delivery. It's just like... Mm-hmm. I like to jock. <laughs> and that was the perfect cut, too. And we hard cut out of that. The perfect hesitation. And then... Yeah. This is I the like scene of the jog. movie that sold me, I think, on the dialogue in this movie more than anything else. Because even with the cross-cutting, the way that the conversations flow is just so incredibly sharp. Um, it's, yeah, I love it. The writing is great. Meanwhile, Victoria asks Solo how he got an invitation to her party, but he just shows off his sticky fingers instead, immediately revealing his skill for petty theft and crime. Uh, <laughs> sort of giving her a little slip and returning some jewels here and there, taking others. Yeah, all he's taken like trickery. already maybe like ha- half a million dollars with the jewelry off of people. So he's just like, <laughs> and she yep. seems cool with it. She's a thief. She, you know, she's a bad guy too. She can appreciate, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Skill respect skill. <laughs> exactly. The uh, happy couple are questioned on when they met, and Uncle Rudy gets a little lippy about uh, Gabby dating a commoner like Ilya, mm. which makes Ilya peeve, to say the least, as he starts to go into angry Ilya mode. Was- uh, Gabby chides her uncle, but Ilya just sort of excuses himself to go it's to the bathroom. almost like he's a Nazi or something. <laughs> I know. Crazy. 
Um, doesn't like the his the blood t- tainted blood tainting uh, pure blood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Almost like he's a Nazi. <laughs> Almost like he's a Nazi. Uh, Rudy does try to apologize to his niece, but Gabby's like, well, I have a way you can make it up to me, so we'll see that pay dividends in just a moment. Uh, Victoria asks Solo what he thinks he can do for her now that he's at this party, and he offers to fill in the gaps in her family's collection. Uh, (laughs) Direct quote. (laughs) Direct quote. Um, (laughs) Meanwhile, Rudy tells Gabby that her father is a fugitive, and it would be foolish for him to be anywhere in Europe, So, but she's like, well, is there any way I can reach him? But Rudy just sort of insists that he can't help her. Off in the bathroom, Ilya gets insulted by some Italians, and uh, (laughs) inevitably... Who are like, oh, no, you no, can no. go use the sink in the ladies' room. <laughs> they don't assault him. He assaults them. <laughs> Insulted by. Oh, I thought you said assaulted by. <laughs> yes. The insults inevitably turn to him closing Assaulting. and locking the door. And uh, the punches <laughs> start and we hard cut away from that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Basically, in the background of the next 10 minutes of the movie, Ilya's just presumed to be off in the bathroom uh, punching uh, these people. guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Uh, as he's off doing that, Victoria and Solo, who have now been rejoined as, are, are joined by Rudy and Gabby, uh, who introduce Victoria to his niece, uh, are also joined by Waverly, who is Hugh Grant and just sort of enters the movie now. <laughs> Third appearance. If you were, honestly, even if, I mean, no, everyone who knows who Hugh Grant, Hugh Grant is, they don't keep him very hidden. He pops up twice before, once in the hotel lobby, um, he bumps into... Mm. Um, him and then uh, Solo stole his. He bumps into him outside the party. It's because Solo stole his. Solo stole, stole his, invitation. his invitation. Yeah, I didn't catch him in the hotel lobby. That's a good one. But, really? Uh, yeah. This he'll yeah, say in this conversation. Uh, yeah. You know, if you hear Hugh Grant, you can you can hear him. You you know him. it's Hugh Grant. Um, yeah, Hugh Grant's here. He's playing uh, Waverly, who claims to be the uh, someone who runs the shipping department at British Oil, and he's also the guy that Solo took his invitation from when he walked in. Waverly catches on to Solo's host shtick immediately, saying he saw his trick with the tablecloth, uh, and both Solo and Ilya begin to unravel a bit as folks are antagonizing them. Um, as they're having this little conversation, one of the racers, who turns out to be Alexander, the playboy's son, pulls up to where Solo, Gabby, and Co. are talking and berates the pit crew for not putting enough oil in his car and it's stalling out, so Gabby, a mechanic, gets to whip out her skills and <laughs> fix the car. Victoria yeah. asks Solo to pop by her office the next morning to talk about filling her gaps. Direct <laughs> quote. And meanwhile, Gabby chats with Alex as he says he can help her with her destiny, invites her to lunch, uh, which is when Ilya re-enters the movie and drags her off screen. <laughs> <laughs> and Gabby's like, ooh, a, a rich billionaire inviting me to lunch? Yes. Fuck my cover. <laughs> She's like, well, why are you mad about it? We're only fake fiancés, but maybe maybe right. Ilya is a bit more into her than you know you don't know yet. Mm, um, a little jealous. Mm-hmm. Uh, later that evening, Solo stops by the couple's hotel room as uh, Ilya's been in the bathroom for a minute with the door closed, and Gabby and Ilya are sort of squabbling a bit about Alexander trying to drag her away from her fiancé, but he does immediately <laughs> merge from the bathroom, which is very also, spookily red-lit. <laughs> he's like, you know he's a Nazi, right? And she's like... I'm kind of into him. <laughs> I'm like, Alicia, no. Alicia, no. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, yeah, she's like, she's like weighing out the pros and cons. Rich, billionaire, into me. I could fix his cars all day. Cons, yeah. Nazi. <laughs> she's like, I feel like the pros are outweigh the cons a little bit here. Yeah. <laughs> like, girl. <laughs> girl, own yourself. Um, 
He emerges from his bathroom darkroom to show the prints that he's been treating for the last 30 minutes or so uh, that, when developed, show gamma radiation if they came in close proximity to radioactive material. Uh, and they've got little spots on them, which means in the last 24 hour, their uh, respective charges have succeeded in enriching the uranium needed for the nuclear bomb. And our team is behind on the ball, which Ilya is frustrated about. Or is he frustrated about his girl's uh, flirtationship with Alex, who could say it could be both? screenwriting um <laughs> later that night solo sneaks his way into the the shipyard owned by the company as does Ilya, though separately at first until solo looks over as both of them are cutting through the chain link fence to just see that classic paperboy hat over in the distance uh they both try to play the i work alone card but neither one of them wants to leave so they begrudgingly start working as a team they make their way inside and divide and conquer, sweeping for radioactivity. This sequence is super stylish. Uh, it's a, oh, They use um, panels to show yeah, multiple portions and times. angles of the action multiple times. The way they move them through the screen is very smooth and seamless, so and it's all synced they up do to it the a backing few tracks. Yeah. I can't remember if this was the first sequence where they do it. This is the first it. sequence was... where they do it, but they do repeat they do it again panels. later okay. on. Yeah, yeah, they do it a few times. It's it's great. It's I, I love it. It's like you'd think it would be like you see that like in the transition you're like oh that's so cheesy and annoying but it really mm-hmm. works like honestly yeah it just, i think it works because if this showed up and this was the only like stylistic choice this film had mm-hmm. made i think it would have stood out a lot more but because they so do there's been done so many yeah. interesting camera movements and they've used so many unique uh chirons and other elements to sort of already imbue this film with so much style that these sequences do feel seamless to the the look of the movie even though they are inherently intrusive because they are moving panels that an editor had to put in yeah uh but i personally love it and i think it's a great way of keeping the action sequences moving over wide spaces without having to necessarily watch us for sure make us like, watch them walk around the exactly whole time. and it's it's showing a montage without showing a montage like the it's a, it just shows you how much work they're getting done without it being more than like you know 20 seconds worth so it's, it's good yeah uh, and it's it does help us move through time because neither of them are going to find anything on this initial sweep. Um, but as a guard walks by them, they both duck into hiding and Ilya spots a watch on the guard's arm. What he thinks is his father's watch. So he sneaks up behind him as the guard okay, opens his this. locker and he waves this. his arm in like a test motion a few times before finally <laughs> so doing like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> practice chop, uh, knocking the guard out still standing. Uh, but it's not his father's watch. <laughs> he explains that that was like a secret Russian technique to knock someone out while they're still standing and the guy will like wake up in 20 minutes or whatever. But it was just, I thought Amazing. it was just, <laughs> It's a good example of the differences in skill sets between these two guys because throughout this sequence, we'll see Solo be very good at the breaking into, uh, breaking into Thiefer, doors thievery. and safes and things, <laughs> thievery, whereas Ilya is clearly trained in combat and all sorts of movement. Um, inside the guard's locker, they find a radiation suit and a hidden button. So they press it, it, of course, and they find a secret door conveniently right next to them, which Solo gets to work unlocking, doing <laughs> with so bolt. <laughs> with a big old bolt, skillfully exploiting a design uh, spy, flaw in the door. Spy thriller, check. Tick. Yeah, check off. <laughs> Anyone who had opens complicated safe door, yes. check. <laughs> Take it off your list. <laughs> mm-hmm. He has a whole big monologue about how this safe is uh, the design flaw was that they wasn't designed by people who wanted to break into it and that he's really quite skilled and he's very proud of himself and as he opens the door uh, Ilya asks him if he deactivated the alarm which of course is immediately answered by uh, the alarm, the alarm going, going off, off. So- <laughs> he's like oh the model didn't have alarms so of course the alarm goes off yes <laughs> of course the alarm goes off yes uh, Solo rushes into the safe and finds it largely empty except for a crate with some devices and grabs a little doohickey off the floor as the two begin to make their escape 
Uh, Ilya recognizes the device that Solo's grabbed as part of a centrifuge that refines uranium, uh, and the two jump out into a nearby pile of rope on the dock and get into a speedboat to make a run for it. As they're sort of arguing as <laughs> Ilya drives, track, Solo gets thrown off the boat into the water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love the moment where he's like, hang tight, cowboy, and he's like straight up not even behind him. Yeah, he's Solo's just in the water. <laughs> Solo gets thrown off the boat as Ilya keeps doing donuts in the like now uh, enclosed harbor as <laughs> all the gates are shutting down. Um, and Solo swims himself over to the side where there's a truck <laughs> And he sits down in the truck, and in the moment of like, oh yes, this man is very suave, uh, he takes his time to tune the radio to the appropriate music. Uh, he enjoys a nice bottle of Chianti that was laid next to him, and some poor guy's sandwich, and, and just the, sort of watches Ilya, Ilya do is donuts. Just like zooming back and forth, <laughs> avoiding cars. It's so good. Uh-huh. At one point in the background, Ilya's boat uh, explodes and begins to sink, which is when Solo, not turning off the radio, but just putting the sandwich down, uh, drives uh starting to drive away thinking better of it and then driving straight into the water where he collects the drowning Ilya and saves him uh pulling him out of the range of the nazis and into safety meanwhile uh alexander finds the safe opened and calls victoria who calls after solo but he's not in his hotel room to pick up <gasps> she's on to him uh-oh jack um Victoria gets in her car and starts driving over to the hotel as Solo and Ilya are rushing back to Rome. Meanwhile, Gabby receives a call from her uncle Rudy asking if he can apologize to her fiancé, but she claims he's asleep. Uh, instead, Rudy's like, oh, well, can I have lunch with you alone the next day? So she sets her meeting and makes her call and is like, the meeting is happening. It's good. She's done her job. She's meeting with Uncle Rudy. Um... Solo and Ilya arrive at the hotel just as Victoria does, sneaking in through the back and running up the stairs. Uh, Victoria enters <laughs> Solo's room with the key, and as she does, he exits the bathroom now in a robe and bath towel, like, yes. would you like a grape? <laughs> By the way, I call I call BS, because he, he's coming out wet as if he just came out of the shower, but it's obviously from when he got dunked in, like, this industrial part. Of, like, how would he not stink? How would he? And they have sex, so like, how would how would she know? Like, she definitely knew, but like, even she still, had to, right? He stinks of like, you know, like this cargo is a good water. moment in the movie where like we, the audience, are assured that their cover is still secure. But if you look at all closely at it, like Victoria is clever enough to kind of know that they're putting her on, yeah. so to speak, at this point. Um, even if, but she's like, she doesn't care. Yeah, <laughs> she gets to have sex with Henry Cavill. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ilya and Gabby listen into the American's room through a bug that Ilya had placed there, but all they hear is heavy breathing and sex noises, so that they decided to just sort of stop that. Uh, <laughs> and we fade to black once more. The next day, the boys prep their spy equipment as Gabby prepares to go to her luncheon with Uncle Rudy, uh, and Ilya seems particularly bothered and worried about her. Um, she's got a little tracker on her leg uh, that he checks to see if it's turned on as Henry Cavill exits to the balcony uh, and he assures her that the mission will go well and he'll be right nearby and then Solo, master of timing, re-enters the room to see if they're all turned on now direct quote, and Gabby heads to meet Uncle Rudy um, <laughs> I love it they're gonna have lunch at the Vinci Guerra of the state. I'm never gonna say that name right. Uh, Dude, no one ever will. <laughs> no one ever and will. No one ever will. And uh, in the car, they chat about an incident at the party the other day where Count Lippy and his cousins were assaulted by an unknown man in the bathroom. Uh oh, Ilya. <laughs> 
thought that was a nice little callback to that scene because otherwise it doesn't really have any relevance to the rest of the film. Yeah. They don't even show that scene, by the way. They just show him closing the door. <laughs> like, and that's it. <laughs> and it just, like, yeah. fades to black, basically. Um, but, yeah. And then he just reverences it later. Like, he puts some count what's-his-face in the hospital. He's like, he had it coming. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought the sound mixing in this sequence was particularly notable, too, and incredible, because they, when they're um, in the car, you don't actually hear anything. When yeah. the windows are rolled up, you just see the subtitles the score. Uh, until you either jump to Ilya listening into the listening device, in which case they come through very, you know, fuzzy and staticky, or when they mm-hmm. start to open the window, there's a gradual release of more sound. Yeah. And I think that that is just, like, an incredible so use cool. of sound design to really sell the sequence while still giving you the information you need. Um, yeah. And they do something, I don't want to say, it's not similar because they don't mess with diegetic versus non-diegetic sound in that way, but mm-hmm. in the next sequence when um, uh, um, Gabby's at lunch and she's talking to her uncle and yeah. uh, what's-his-face, they don't deliberately don't show you everything in the first go-around mm-hmm. and you don't hear everything, but you just see things going on, so it still looks like a complete scene, but you can kind of almost tell stuff is missing, so it's not yeah. stuff you figure out until later on. And I just, I just really like that. They use that a couple times, and I think it's just mm-hmm. a really good, you know, it's defining it the movie style, and I just, I appreciate it. Yeah. Again, the movie's not really ever giving us too much new information, with a few distinct exceptions. It's just kind of reshuffling the information we already have in new orders to make it interesting and to explain why the characters are reacting to it. And I think that's a really clever way to not bog down your spy plot, but still have a lot of intrigue and style in your movie. Um, and speaking of the scene you just mentioned. Uh, Gabby says that she knows her father is here to her Uncle Rudy and to Alexander, who's also at lunch. Uh, She says, I know he works for Alexander, and how I know is simple, and this is where we kind of cut sound, and Mm -hmm. uh, whatever her answer is, we don't hear. Being like, (laughs) yeah. Um, We just see Rudy get up to make a call. We see Ilya jump out of the bushes and start running. Um... And uh, Solo, meanwhile, he's going to his meeting with Victoria. Um, Ilya runs out of the estate on the run from the dogs, hops the fence, booking it. Meanwhile, Solo <laughs> and Victoria uh, quit back and forth, but he quickly realizes that he drank some laced scotch when he walked into the room. Uh, like immediately. Victor- like, he immediately. notices immediately. <laughs> yeah, he knows, he knows his scotch. Um, yeah. And Victoria reveals that Gabby gave them up like an unwanted kitten and that she was a traitor <laughs> to them. And we now hear what she said earlier following the and and it's simple line um she reveals her fiance is a kgb agent and the american is with the cia this is why uncle rudy had to make a call and who was he calling victoria (laughs) (laughs) the russians and the americans thought that they were using gabby but gabby was using them to get to uh her father her dad yeah solo lies down she gives him up like immediately (laughs) Um, yeah, exactly immediately. No uh, concern. As soon as she has the meeting just... that she wanted, she plays them. Um, Solo lies down so that he doesn't fall and hit his head on the ground. But Victoria <laughs> tells him that not to worry about that because he'll be getting hurt anyway. Uh, and when he comes to, he's strapped to a chair in a very spooky lab where Victoria monologues about how Solo is about to experience the work of a torture artist firsthand. And it's Uncle Rudy. What a scamp. Um, <laughs> that damn Nazi. That damn Nazi. Rudy's got him in, like, essentially an electric chair that shocks him when he hits a pedal. Um, but the first time he clicks it, nothing happens, so he has to go do a quick little wiring <laughs> fix so that the electric shocks pick back up. Uh, Classic. 
Victoria setting Catamon. Setting up the, uh, su- such a good setup and payoff. It's so mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Um, Victoria heads off after finishing her little monologue, and Rudy gets to work, sending a light circling Solo's head as he tells his life story. Uh, he was once a regular little boy who was mercilessly bullied by all the other children, but he didn't see them as enemies, but as lessons. After all, he had a talent for creating pain and fear, and that's how Rudy made the cultivation of those feelings his life's work. And luckily for him, a uh, world war was on, and he had an unprecedented ep- opportunity to cause those feelings as he shows solo a book of all the tortures he's done in the past uh, and the, the page that is left for solo um before he can get to any of the torture victoria is off getting into a classic speedboat with her husband as they fly off to their secret island lair because of course they must have a secret island lair <laughs> of course uh, of check course. it off the list <laughs> check it off the list. again we had safe door <laughs> car chase secret iron island lair someone knew their scotch really well <laughs> it's bingo um, by the way she laced all the drinks he was he's even like yeah. how do you know i didn't drink the scotch she's like oh i laced all of them mm-hmm. which just, just tells you how rich she is she laced like 16 bottles of this really nice liquor <laughs> so without a no no qualms how dare Mm-mm. she it's a crime against humanity is what Not that a care is in the world uh Back with Rudy, he continues that there are two kinds of torture, one for information uh, extraction and one just for its own sake. And as he monologues, uh, Solo sees Ilya in the window of the room. Uh, Rescue is upon him. Ilya sneaks into the room, standing directly behind Uncle Rudy, and the two break Solo out and stick Rudy in the chair instead, who immediately starts squealing that he'll, you know, he'll tell on anybody who's willing to turn coat. He's got no spine. Um, literally the second yeah it's like spineless nazi trope but it's like the mm-hmm. second like he's in the chair he's like i'll tell you everything oh, yeah. i'll tell you everything <laughs> yeah they interrogate him and he reveals that they still have teller uh and that they already have a bomb which is being delivered to a submarine at 8 a.m and until then the bomb is being held on vincent guerra island which we have to assume is the spooky island that uh victoria and her husband just flew to he begs to be spared in exchange for appearing, appealing in court, and squire, squire, words, appearing in court, and uh, <laughs> squawking on all of his friends. And the two exit the room for a moment to stand outside the door to debate what they should do with him. And as they debate in the other room, the wires malfunction once more, and Rudy goes up in flames and sparks a victim of his own design. Uh, and <laughs> they his look back to design. the room. Uh, the debate of what to do with Rudy answered by itself. <laughs> it's very funny. They have this whole like uh, needle with a needle drop sequence where they're just standing in the foreground, uh, talking to each other with the window with like mm-hmm. Rudy's back to us behind through the window, and they're just like talking, like considering in the most, like they're really like they're they're hamming it up because it's oh, just yeah. like, oh, but, but we do need him. <laughs> But he's we should be so a Nazi. We should kill him. And this goes on for like a full minute. And mm-hmm. then in the background, you just see like <laughs> Rudy like gyrating in the chair because he's getting hit by the electricity. And then he just suddenly just starts going up in smoke the yeah. entire time. It's very funny. And they don't notice. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're too <laughs> much in their own good world. Good physical comedy. <laughs> yes. Good blocking. <laughs> Dark physical, again. Com- physical comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Um,. Gabby arrives on the island where her father is waiting for her and the two talk. Gabby's father is eager to see her as he says he's made a terrible mistake, but she just slaps him. Uh, Meanwhile, Ilya and Solo meet up with their ride to the island. It's Waverly with the chopper, uh, who again is in this movie. (laughs) He grants back. Um, The boys get their new orders to report to Commander Waverly of British Royal Intelligence. That's right. He wasn't an oil tycoon. He was another (laughs) member of the spy community all along. Um, yes. 
Each of the lad's bosses tell them to get Teller and the disc at all costs and to kill the other if necessary. Waverly runs them through their plan. They have 14 hours to secure the warhead and they have to retrieve his agent. His agent. That's right. <laughs> Gabby was a British agent all along. She's not British, well, but she's working really, for him. <laughs> well, she was more of like an asset, not really an agent. But yeah, same, yeah. same diff. She's still British intelligence. And they're like, oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> That's the that's the second of the two twists, and it's again sort of the same information being reshuffled because that's why she took the meeting was at Waverly's orders, and that's why she gave them up because it was the only way to secure her uh, cover. Meanwhile, Gabby tells her father to play along with her plan as she tells Alexander that uh, her father will resume his work on the bomb with her assistance. Uh, Back in the chopper, Waverly explains that when Teller disappeared, the Brits recruited Gabby, assuming the Nazis would come knocking and getting these two uh, at her door instead. So her betrayal was at Waverly's orders. Uh, But also her ring was bugged, so she knew he'd hear her betrayal and that Ilya would have time to escape. So she (laughs) wasn't really trying to betray them so much as she was working for the Brits and they just happened to get caught in the crossfire. Um, Solo realizes that the Brits lost her now that she's on the island, which is why they need these two bozos to help them finish the job. Uh, Meanwhile, on the island, Gabby watches the production of the missile and allows for a moment's distraction by knocking a tray off the table so that her father can swap out the correct lens for a false one which is when victoria arrives in the room and declares that the games will finally stop telling the guards to put gabby in a cell and kill her if they don't hear from vicky in 20 minutes and her father has 20 (laughs) minutes to finish the bomb including placing the correct lens in it meaning that victoria has seen through their little ruse and there's no illusions going on here so now gabby's in genuine danger the boys begin their mission being escorted in by the brits in the dead of night um Panels again. Panels again as everyone's sort of infiltrating. Teller finishes the bomb and gives Victoria the disc with his research on it, as well as the backup copy. Uh, And Victoria kills Teller. This is where the panels, like, really get into gear. Uh, We see the whole infiltration happen, mostly through these panels as the various facets of the plan go off, landing on the island, taking out the guards, etc. And eventually, Ilya and Solo make their way into the lab, where they find the now-deceased Teller, but no bomb. As they keep moving, Solo grabs Ilya's dad's watch off one of the taken-out guards. <laughs> it's a surprise tool that will help us later. Um, Solo finds the security cameras and informs Ilya that Alexander has Gabby and the bomb and that he's driving away to the entrance uh, of the island because the island is connected to the mainland via like this really tiny little bridge uh, that they're going to quickly yeah. dive over and move away. I really thought this island was going to be more of an action set piece than it was. We don't spend too much time here. Uh, no. Like, um, this initial Maybe panel just... sequence. <laughs> yeah, like barely any time at all, to be honest. Not a, I mean, it, is, <laughs> it does look somewhat like a cool evil island, but not very much. Yeah, it's no more interesting than the countrysides of Italy. <laughs> no. They all drive off the island on their respective vehicles, Solo and Gabby and Alexander in these, like, dune buggy looking things, and uh, Ilya on a motorcycle, because that's just the kind of guy he is. Uh, and they do an okay... <laughs> this is one of the action sequences that I think didn't work for me quite as well. I think this is a little bit choppy sometimes. It goes on for a while. And it goes on it for goes a on while. For a bit long. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as everyone's sort it does of have driving one of my up this mountainside. tracks um, on it, though. Yeah, like, I think the music is good, and the what what is happening is is fun and the blocking is interesting but i think the way it's shot it's there's too many handheld shots and it's a little bit choppy and there were some moments where i'm like i can't quite keep track of like yeah. who's where necessarily yeah um, at least for the first half and then it doesn't really get interesting until like they should have probably cut out some of the beginning middle parts and then just like cut mm-hmm. to 
them crossing the lake and then what happens after because then it gets interesting yeah and they start actually like you know verging in um converging in converging in Mm -hmm. um on alexander and gabby so like and then it actually gets interesting but yeah before then it just goes on for a little too long i do love how they get across the river because uh alexander (laughs) drives his and gabby's car straight through it as their exhaust pipe goes up to the top so they can go through the water without the car breaking down but solo's Mm -hmm. exhaust pipe goes straight out the back so you can't just follow them around uh but that's not the issue you think it would be because he just backs up (laughs) picks up speed and just hydroplanes across it's literally awesome it's Uh, so good Ilya for his part just bikes straight up a mountain so they're both doing very cool things uh in this sequence Ilya does this massive stunt jump like off the a hill like it looks I'm it looks way further in one shot than it actually ends up being but it looks so and just lands right in front of him like full-on hot wheels world race over here (laughs) yeah Ilya shoots out one of Alexander's tires, but gets sent tumbling down the mountain on his motorbike for his troubles. Uh, but Solo, following suit, knocks over Alexander and Gabby's car and sends them tumbling along after him. Uh, in the wreckage, Solo drags Gabby out of the car, uh, but Alexander gets up and starts trying to beat up Solo as Ilya strongmans his way out from underneath his crashed motorcycle and comes to their rescue, stabbing Alex as they tussle, rip to the first villain of this movie. Solo grabs one of the copies of the discs in the scuffle as well, and Ilya goes to comfort Gabby, who is hurt, but, you know, she's not dying. The Brits fly in and start defusing the bomb as everyone recovers uh, from the situation, and Waverly reveals that what they have with the with them in this car is a warhead, sure. It's a real bomb, but it's not nuclear. The right one. It's not the one they're looking for. Um, it's a guess what, guys? Good job. And it's a dude. Cops there all were, around. Remember, there were two um, bombs in that lab. Small thing. Yeah. <laughs> Wrong bomb. <laughs> Wrong bomb. So close. <laughs> um, the gang realizes the only other way to have gotten out the island was for Victoria to have taken one of the fishing boats, and they're not sure which one that they could have been looking for, but Solo, who remembers some of his history lessons from the party they went to earlier in the movie, scans the list and identifies the Diadema, the old fishing boat of the former company president, on the list uh, of shipping manifests that they have to go scan through. And they, he's like, that's definitely it. That's got to be the boat that Victoria's <laughs> on, because it's owned by her company, and it's very thematic, and she's a woman of great panache. Um, Gabby has an idea that we don't hear about yet, and they radio to the diadema, diadema, uh, with a message for Victoria. Um, the captain of the ship plays dumb for a while, so Solo takes over the radio, and he tells Victoria that he killed her husband, and ramps it up by claiming her husband died pitifully. At this, Victoria <laughs> finally gets on the line. <laughs> Hugh Grant, Hugh Grant's like, uh, like, he's just coaching him through, like, he's like, ramp it up, Solo, come on, ramp, you can do better than that. <laughs> it's great, that was just a great yeah. line, great moment. At this uh, little pestering, Victoria finally like starts to snap a little bit and starts telling him that all of his living relatives will die slowly and painfully after she delivers this <laughs> nuclear bomb to the Nazi submarine. Uh, and as she yeah, monologues, they get a reading Elizabeth on her Sebecki. ship. <laughs> but Elizabeth Sebecki is just enunciating in that posh-ass British oh, accent yeah. at me, so I don't oh, care. She can threaten yeah. me all she wants. Yeah, I'm I can listen for to this for hours. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I will kill. I can't even do a British accent, so I won't try to. She, I will kill your entire family your and entire make sure family. they're all dead before I finally come for you. <laughs> but she says it in the prettiest way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love yeah. it. <laughs> um, Solo then gets to reverse monologue. He has to pull out Uno reverse card and monologue back at her for the first time in the movie as he explains that they have a lock on her radio signal and that the coupling device that was left on her decoy warhead is accurate to 10 feet. 
Uh, so even though they don't know exactly where her boat is, it knows where its sister bomb is. Um, this warhead should have no trouble obliterating a fishing boat, even though it itself is not nuclear, while also not setting off the nuclear warhead. And, as they fired it a minute ago, it should make impact in about 30 seconds. Uh, all the fishermen start abandoning ship, Victoria looks up, and so the missile does connect. Uh, <laughs> this was Gabby's Beautiful. great idea. Um, back at the hotel at a later date, Gabby and Ilya say their goodbyes very bittersweet she's not going back to east germany and she apologizes for not telling him that she was a british spy um Ilya tries to invite her for a drink but she has to go um she tries to return her ring with a tracker in it and he tells her to keep it so he can always keep track of her and they're about to kiss when a bellhop pops in and Ilya gets a phone call and gabby slips her way out the door this is like the third time they're about to kiss yes. and get interrupted <laughs> i really thought at this point in the movie we'd get that kiss but no 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 nah. no 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 <laughs> not for you <laughs> Um, it's a real fucking bummer that this movie's not getting a sequel. <laughs> I'm really sad. Uh, <laughs> the call Ilya got was from his KGB bosses. They know that Solo has one of his discs. Uh, and if he doesn't get it back from Solo, he'll end up in Siberia like his father. It's a bad day to be Ilya. He starts going into rage mode and trashes his room, loads his gun, and goes up for that drink that Solo offered. As he's upstairs, Ilya spots the disc amongst Solo's stuff, and the two do their little packing up tasks as you could cut the tension in the air with a knife. Both of them have their weapons at the ready, and it looks like Solo's about to pull his gun on Ilya as they talk, but instead, Solo tosses Ilya his father's watch. Uh, they it's a both ignore. Yeah, look, really good misdirect. Great use yeah. of the uh, he grabbed the watch earlier bit that hadn't really paid dividends yet. Um, yep. Really good payoff. Both of them acknowledge that they have the same mission, get the disc at all costs, and kill the other if necessary. So they burn the disc together on the roof while enjoying some wine. <laughs> I love a moment it. that I could I not have it. loved more. I this love was in it all the trailers. So, much. so it's a little bit of like a little gimme. But um, they both talk about how much they hated working together as they cheers, and Gabby joins them with Waverly in tow on the roof. Waverly's like, there's a new unpleasantness, and their bosses have agreed to let them keep the team together. <laughs> I can't do it with you, Grant. Uh, I know. But the trio is going to go off to Istanbul. Their team, now known as Uncle, uh, is off to do other spy-based adventures. Uh, what a fun movie. <laughs> the credits it's start so getting a little good. like it's great. it's great. Yeah. Um, but it's, that is the man I'm, from Uncle. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sad. Like, I, I think they all have such great chemistry. And I really would have loved to see a sequel with them more put together as a team. Mm-hmm. Um but, like, also I'm very happy with what we got. I mean, it didn't make nearly enough money to warrant a sequel. Like, it didn't do very well. It was one of those movies that kind of bombed. Well, it didn't bomb. It did okay in the box office. I think yeah. it was just one of those movies, like, um, I always keep using this example, um, <laughs> but Bad Times at the El Royale, which is a great mm, movie, and yeah, I really enjoyed yeah. watching it when I saw it in theaters, but suffered from really terrible, pre- like, terrible, like, promo and press mm-hmm. and stuff. Um not that they were either of them were re- reviewed poorly, although of course, everyone when they saw this was going to be a Guy Ritchie movie and like a stylish like spy Guy Ritchie movie, everybody's like, "Oh, it's all style over substance." And I'm like, "That's kind of the whole fucking point." Like, and not only that, it does have substance. Like, yeah, I love I a stylish movie, but it's not only style. This isn't like, you know, Sin City or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I think this, you know, it, this movie does have a lot of style to it. And if you watch, like, when yeah. you're watching it, you are violently aware, like, this. there's a very particular flavor of movie that you're making. But I think that the story, if not necessarily the most groundbreaking thing ever made, is sort of just like a simple meal well made in that it serves the 
vibe that you're going for. It's compelling enough to keep you interested in watching more to justify the action sequences and to provide opportunities for the characters to interact in interesting ways. Um, yeah. So I would, yeah, I would say that like maybe it's not the most <laughs> deep no. and, and I think- motivating movie of all time, but it is a fun <laughs> ride that you're very I happy to be going on is, while you're watching. This is one of my favorite performances by Army Hammer. This is like <laughs> probably my favorite performance. I, I like. Uh, Probably also one of my favorite performances by Henry Cavill yeah. as well. Um, uh, listen, I, I I understand like all this Army Hammer shit going on right now. I think they even <sighs> made like a documentary about his family, <sighs> and I'm just like I haven't watched it. But uh, <laughs> he's a very pretty man, and I really enjoy him in this role. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone everyone's here is so pretty acting. In this movie. Um, everyone's playing their part well. I think Cavill's probably the breakout for me personally. I, I, he oh, just yeah. brings something to this role that is very unique. Um, it's so good and and plays extremely smoothly uh i i love that this movie does not have a love triangle in it um Mm. i think it is based on a tv show uh from yeah yeah uh which i have not seen personally so i can't say how much of the plot they lifted directly from that versus how much of it is original but do nod to it um when he's in the track watching Ilya get chased on a motorboat um he's he turns on the radio and flip, 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 uh, flip through a few stations and i think i'm not 100 percent sure i think i read about this somewhere where one of the um uh stations is playing like the old theme from the show uh like for only a few seconds but it was like a little nod to it which i thought was funny mm-hmm um yeah but like i think in terms of adaptation of tv show to movie this one does a really great job of uh introducing us to the key characters Sending them on an mission that is interesting, but also self-contained and like com- giving us a complete story while still leaving it open to potential uh, sequels. This is one of the rare For instances sure. where I watched a movie and I was like, you know what? I really wish this got a sequel mm, um, yeah. because I think that they established enough of a, t- of a team dynamic that it could be a really interesting point to play off of, uh, like yeah. you mentioned earlier. Um, and also, again, I love that there's no love triangle in this. It was very refreshing. That it was just Ugh. like... Yes, there's romance, so but it's nice. a subplot between these two characters, and Solo is not even involved a little bit. <laughs> like, yeah. you never get the impression that that's going to be, like, a sticking point for these two. The conflict comes from the ways that Solo and Ilya interact with each other, and it's pretty much adja- adjacent to, but completely removed from Gabby, which allows mm. all three of them to have interesting dynamics with each other. It's just a really fun uh, it's great. group. Yeah. Um, but I guess we yeah, kind of started actually, talking yeah. on it. Like, what are your closing thoughts on this movie? <laughs> you know? Um we're talking about it i mean yeah, yeah it's just it's just a fun romp fun mm-hmm. guy Ritchie romp i just i love it um i like how he um i, I do like guy Ritchie movies i don't think he's the most consistent but i do mm-hmm. i do usually enjoy his movies um i gotta rewatch the gentleman i saw it in theaters and i think it's on netflix now um very similar style to it although i remember it being a bit longer and a little more like less well paced but mm. I don't know. Maybe I'll watch it again and I'll come back and do the gentleman. <laughs> Make do the do another Guy Ritchie movie. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I just I just love this movie so much. It's just it's just it, it, it's my comfort food. It warms my heart. <laughs> yeah, there's something very like simple about this movie, for lack of a better word, where you can kind of just watch it and just have a nice evening. Uh, it would be a good group watch, but it's also just like a nice like I'm just treating myself to dinner and watching a movie at home kind of. Situation. It's also very funny. Yeah, like I yeah, love, oh, I love yeah. the humor in this movie. I cannot stress how <laughs> good the writing in this movie is. Like the dialogue is very snappy where it needs to be, but it's not overly quippy. So you get you know the information you need and the good character dynamics, and also you're laughing when you're supposed to laugh. Um, the amount of innuendo that is in the script is comical. <laughs> 
but I, I think this is a solid movie overall. Um, really good yeah. time. It's not like doing anything uh, original or new necessarily, but what it is doing is using established style and tropes and genre uh, incredibly well into a movie that is just a fun watch. Like, and it's it still just a feels good like time. a modern movie. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. It's so '60s, but it's so it's so mm-hmm. you know 21st century. Like, I love it. It's great. Yeah, it's the um, platonic ideal of like an adaptation of it, like a '60s spy thriller. Yeah. Um, and like I said, banging score. Um, oh, my yeah. boy Daniel Pemberton. <laughs> this is like top three scores for me. Uh, by the way, he also did uh, Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. Um, he's done Birds of Prey, which has a couple of really good tracks. I don't like that one overall, but a lot of really good tracks on it. Um, I love this guy. He's this is probably my to me. Oh my god, I can't decide between this and Into the Spider Verse. They're both so fucking good. <laughs> I listen to them constantly. I'm not even kidding. I have on my Spotify, I have like albums of my favorite scores from movies saved, like sh- the full albums. And sometimes I'll just like listen to the entire thing. I love it so much. <laughs> it's great. And it really fits with the movie, the tone. And again, like if you're walking around and you need music oh, in the so background, good. just put on this score. Um, yes. But I would say overall, fantastic movie. I don't really have anything about it that I disliked it's a good it's kind of a good all situations movie because it's not really offensive in any particular direction and uh it's 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 just fun to watch so if you're looking for ignore the army hammer stuff and you'll enjoy it thoroughly yeah basically (laughs) if you have no knowledge of pop culture outside of this movie you're fine um but tess thank you so much for joining us today this has been a blast uh if people want to hear more from you where can they find you I don't know. If you really want to know my thoughts about stuff, um, I'm in the Movie Strike Discord. It's a front of the pod. Like, if you <laughs> really want to talk to me about Daniel Pemberton in specific or scores in general. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll just plug Movie Strike has a Discord. It's linked in the show notes. Feel free to join if you want to talk. Uh, sometimes our guests pop in on there. But or test- Ziggy. Or Ziggy. If you want oh, to yes. talk about Ziggy. So if you want to talk about our cat, Ziggy, definitely <laughs> do that. <laughs> Um, I don't know where she is. She's probably off being irritated. She's under my bed right now. Oh, yes. She's uh, chilling on the like <laughs> the thing under my bed. Aww. She can be there for hours. She might Aww. be there for hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Ziggy, and thank you, Tess. Uh, we're off to go, you know, try and find some mysterious discs and assemble a team of three to go take on some sort of spy task. We'll be back in a future episode, and thank you guys so much for listening. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Movie Struck. We'll be back on October 3rd with another thrilling installment, but if you have any questions, comments, or concerns to the podcast before then, feel free to email us at moviestruckpod at gmail.com or check out the Movie Struck community over on Discord. Links to that can be found in the show notes below. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron. Patrons get access to monthly bonus film reviews, previews of upcoming episodes, and because of this month's patron drive, access to one and maybe by the time this episode's released, two bonus episodes. So check out the links in the show notes below for more on that. And uh, just a special shout out to all the patrons who joined us last month. It's because of you guys that this podcast is possible. And I, I so, so appreciate all of your support. Uh, so thank you to Stephen Farnsworth, Bearded Leafy Green, Ali H, Vicky, Frost Knight, Leon Kleinveld, Hartlight, William Warren, Lucas Hart, Will Stevens, Charles, Saturn Toodles, Bryson Mont, Richard Montoya, Luvernagog, the Australian superhero Indigo Obsidian, Norbert Wagner III, The Dance of Italy, Magistrissa, Ailsong the Brewer, Adrian VB, Melancholic, Andrew Sweetapple, Brian Miller, David Wiseman, Jacob Dirk Quistra, J.C. Ferry, Maverick Nugent, Maniac, Amy Hauk, 
Maverick Artist, BJ, Gray, TacoCat343, Christina, Ash is Okay Sometimes, Alexander Mendez, Chris Armstrong, and Mira Purcell.